0: Delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 70 begins a three-part series with one of the most ferocious players to ever play football in Kentucky, linebacker Marty Moore. It was a long journey from Fort Thomas, Kentucky to almost Tuscaloosa, Alabama to Lexington and then the Super Bowl, but Marty Moore didn't let anything stand in his way on and off the field. In this episode, the Terminator linebacker relives his youth by sharing his fond memories of training and getting into football at age seven. You've probably heard the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, Marty's mother, she's quite the character as you will find out. And that includes what she did to two NFL legends. Marty talks about his recruitment and commitment to Alabama and how the decision was made for him to come to Kentucky. Playing for Jerry Claiborne for one year and then for Bill Curry for three years. Marty accumulated numerous accomplishments on the field, including leading the SEC in tackles as a sophomore and a junior. Named first-team All-SEC, he ranks fourth in tackles among the Wildcats and currently holds the record for the most tackles in a season at UK. There's been plenty of peaks and valleys in his career, but as you're going to find out over the next three episodes, there's much more to Marty than football. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs, and his guest, Marty Moore.
0: Marty, it really doesn't seem like it's been 25 years.
2: <laughs> it, it it does not, Oscar. I will promise you that. I don't I don't feel like I'm 25 years old. I, I feel like I can still get out there and move around a little bit.
0: Well, you know, there's an old saying from the mountains. We both have sort of domes like. And they're saying in the mountains that, you know, when God created us, he created some perfect heads, and on its mistakes, he put hair.
2: <laughs> that's that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, I, I tell a story of my, my last year in the NFL. I had uh, tore my Achilles tendon in half, and I was trying to rehab. And so uh, when I was going to training camp to try to see if I could play anymore, uh, I sat in my driveway, and I uh, I said, shave it all off. And uh, my uh, fa- uh you know, my brother-in-law at the time he uh, he said, uh, you want it all gone? I said, man, shave it all off. And I never, I never.
0: Never grew, looked back. Never <laughs> grew back. I
2: never grew back.
0: <laughs> Probably nobody in Kentucky football history has had a career quite, quite like yours. I mean, you talk about peaks and valleys and, and just sudden peaks and valleys. But uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about growing up in northern Kentucky. And I, I was a little bit startled. I mentioned to you before we started recording here that I was shocked to see where you had, was born in Phoenix, Arizona and how did that all happen? So tell me again.
2: Uh, My dad grew up in Fort Thomas. Uh, My mom is from uh, over in Cincinnati. And so growing up in Fort Thomas, my dad was, you know, a salesman and he had uh, created this book that was essentially the Yellow Pages and um, had a business going, you know, uh, had a bunch of, you know, we had five brothers and sisters and Cincinnati Bell decided they were going to come out with their version of uh, the Yellow Pages. My dad got a little nervous and had a friend in Phoenix that uh, told him to come out there and start, you know, start the same type of business out there. So we packed everybody up and we moved out there and I was born out there, but we only spent two years there and then we moved back and my dad got another job in a- in advertisement, but... Uh,
0: Hadn't been for that, you might have been a wildcat of a different variety out there we've never known you you're
2: exactly right my brother brings that up all the time he says you know you marty you know the high school you were going to go to wins the state every year in uh, arizona so that we were in the district for this powerhouse team in arizona and he he brought that up to me several times as high school was going through he's like you know, you would have been like, you know, playing for the best team in the state out there as well. Well,
0: now Fort Thomas Highlands wasn't too shabby in their day either. No,
2: no, we weren't. (laughs) We weren't, you know. Um, No, I grew up, you know, I I only remember Fort Thomas, you know. Um, It's funny. I was, uh, you know, listening to um, a speech I had given several years ago. And uh, Fort Thomas is a special place. It really is. I mean, it's a small community, a lot of tradition there. And, um, you know, I think my dad growing up there kind of wanted me to get outside the box. So he made me uh, box every Saturday down at the Covington gym. And I'd go down there and I'd spar and I'd box the kids in Covington. Um, I played football for the Newport firefighters. So, you know, a lot of inner city kids. He uh, made me go to uh, Cincinnati and play with the West Side kids growing up. And I really think that he wanted me to play uh, better competition and get a sense of, you know, how to fight for what you want. You know, like if you're not always, you know, I don't want you in the Fort Thomas league cause you're going to come over here and you're going to be the best. I don't want you to be the best. I want you to go somewhere where you're not the best and you have to, you know, earn a little grit and climb the ladder a little bit. So he pushed me a lot. Um, and then when I, uh, came over to the Fort Thomas League. I tell a story about this. So, you know, they'd ask my dad to bring me over to Fort Thomas League forever. And I'm in uh I'm in sixth grade. And uh I start and come mid season. So I'm playing for two teams. I'm playing for my Cincinnati team on on Sundays and my Fort Thomas team on Saturdays and I'm practicing four nights a week. And um the next year they said, Bill, we're not gonna have Marty play for this team that's across town because i would ride my bicycle about it's about a four mile bike ride from my house to practice and so at night i'd be bike biking back to my house in the middle of the you know october comes it's eight o'clock at night and i'm pitch black and i'm biking home so he said i don't want my son doing that so we're going to put him with the team that's right down the street from the house no problem well come the way in registration they put me across town <laughs> my dad gets in a fist fight with the director of the league. And uh, so the next year as an eighth grader, you know, I'm supposed to be in that league. And my dad says, nope, he's going to high school. And my brother was a starting fullback, outside linebacker from a high school team. So uh, Jeff Walls' dad, uh, Roger Walls, who played at UK, and Jeff um, is his son that coaches at the University of Louisville basketball team. He came to my dad and he said, I'm not putting Marty on the high school team because – his brother's a starting fullback and starting outside linebacker and I'm afraid Marty's gonna be better than his brother. So we're gonna put him on the freshman team. So I played freshman football as an eighth grader, you know, and that was whole the whole point of my dad getting in a fist fight with the director of the <laughs> youth football league the year before. <laughs> so so my, my dad was a pretty fiery guy and um you know, my mom uh my mom was a character as well.
0: Tell us a little bit about her. 'Cause so, mom drew the house. We all know that. It's really
2: interesting. I, I got started playing football. My mom would babysit about seven kids. So, uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was eight years old. But uh before that she would babysit kids. And so we'd have, you know, seven kids at the house every day. And one night we took one of the kids to football practice. I didn't know what football practice was. I was seven years old, you know, and um I go down to where they're practicing, and they had this jungle gym, right? And they had the, the little, mare, you know, it's not a merry-go-round, but you push it around and you jump on it. And so I'm over there pushing kids around and I'm swinging and practice is over and the coach comes up to me and he said, uh, he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Marty. He said, do you ever play football before? He goes, no. He said, do you know anything about football? I said, no. He said, do you want to play? I said, I need to ask my mom. He goes, well, go home and ask your mom if you can play football. So, Mr. Alfred sent me home, and I get home and I said, Mom, I think I want to play football. My dad comes in, we have a family meeting, and my mom's real like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this, Bill, you know. Um, and he said, it's going to be fine, Carol, we'll be fine. So, I started playing football, and they put me in offensive guard. So, you don't get a lot of glory offensive guard. Well, at eight years old, they figured out – they have realized I was a big kid and I was pretty fast. And, um, so they put me at running back. Well, that then became the, um, my mom in the stands literally as you know, I was little, she would paint her face. She would put the Morty Moore pins on. She would have the <laughs> cowbell. Um, and when I got to high school, my mom became like famous, right? You know, you could hear my mom's voice um throughout the stadium my dad quit sitting with her because he was you know tired of telling her to sit down and you know carol be quiet you don't know what you're talking about you know so he would get in arguments with my mom about you know things and um when i was in high school uh my my coach tom duffy We'll tell my mom. Good guy. Tom's a great guy. Tom's a great guy. And he would tell mom, he's like, Carol, you can come to practice, but you cannot yell at your son at practice. (laughs) 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 And and so, uh, funny story. So, my senior year in high school, we were going down to Bell County. And uh, we're in the playoffs. Was Dudley Hilton down there? Dudley Hilton's coach. (laughs) And um, so, we go down to the mountains. And um, my mom shows up at the bus to, uh, you know, send me off. She's got her paint her face completely painted. She's got half of it blue. So she's half of she's it following the bus. Oh oh yeah. She's following the bus and she's got my numbers on her face and they're painted on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her, I said, Mommy painted my numbers on backwards. She goes, Well crap, I did it in the mirror. You know, and uh, and so uh, you know, so that was uh, that was high school and then when I got to college, uh, the parents sat like four rows behind the bench. And uh, my mom in college would wear a blue wig and she would have a cowbell and she would have all the Marty Moore, you know, paraphernalia on. And um, my freshman year, Bill uh, was fine because I didn't get in the game. But my redshirt freshman year, Bill Curry was a coach. And so I would get in the game as a redshirt freshman and my mom would scream, she would cuss me, you know. I mean, (laughs) my mom didn't pull any punches. And Bill Curry had to move her to – the student section my sophomore year because we couldn't get any defensive calls uh, and corrections in because my mom would sit there and yell at me about <laughs> what I was doing wrong on the field during the game. So, you know, Bill Curry said, I got to get your mom out of here. Um, and, uh, the, you know, a funny story about my mom when I got into the pros was um, we're playing in the AFC championship game and uh, I get her fourth row seats you know behind our bench and um the game's uh, the game's over and my stepfather uh he walks up the stairs and he's he's uh has a cane and my mom's with him and there's a golf cart there well my mom and him get on the golf cart cuz my mom's like you know I've walked down these steps and he's in a cane and I'm not walking anymore I've been jumping up and down screaming for you know 3 hours well, the guy comes down with the golf cart and says, ma'am, you can't be on this golf cart. And she goes, my son Marty is a middle linebacker for the New England Patriots, and you're going to take me to their locker room. And he said, ma'am, I can't do that. He said, these two guys right here, this is their golf cart. And it was Mike and Dick Butkus.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and so my
2: mom looked at Mike and Dick Butkus, and she goes, you all can sit your asses right here until I get back because we're going to the locker room. And Mike and Dick Butkus had to stand there. While he ran my mom and my stepfather to the locker room, and then they went back and picked them up. <laughs> was, uh, she was a character.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about your high school days at, at Fort Thomas Lavin. What do you remember most about that, and uh, the kind of team you had? You know,
2: um, I tell you, the most talented team that I played with was my sophomore year. You know, we um, we had uh, we had Jack Eicher as the as the uh, the head coach. Uh, Roger Walls was a coach. Um, we had um, oh, just uh, a bunch of you know guys who'd been in that Highlands program with Coach Herman and had won several state titles and played for Highlands and a lot of tradition. Um, and we were we had won every game, so we were eleven and No one had touched us. I mean, we had um, on that team we had uh, myself, Jerry Reynolds, both played in the NFL. Um, we had a guy named Bill Monfort who played at University of Dayton. We had Ben Sutkamp who played um, uh, college football. Uh, we had another guy play. We had, I think, 10 out of the 22 guys that started all went on to play college, and then two of us went on to play in the pros. And uh, we were 11-1, and, and we went down to Danville, and they had a guy named Jimmy Boffman. And uh, they had a pretty, pretty good-sized line, and Tom was the was the head coach. And we were losing at halftime. And you know, it was one of those things where we had just dominated everybody. So for us to be losing at halftime, and we fumbled the ball three times, we just had an awful first half. We came out the second half, and we just started running right down their throat. We, I mean, we were just running. ISO left, ISO right, power right, power left. I mean, just here we come.
0: Pretty good halftime uh, motivational yeah, speech. Yeah, pretty good halftime
2: motivational speech. Well, we end up tying the game up. In the last uh, last couple minutes of the game, we end up tying it up. Well, we go in overtime. And overtime is just a battle. Jimmy Boffman was probably the best running back I played against in high school. But Jimmy Boffman, you know, I later find out had some – you know academic issues and then had some personal issues but he probably was one of the best high school running backs i played against and um we get in the overtime they score we score and jimmy boffman runs right up the gut and blocks extra point and they beat us and then the next weekend the next week they went down to belfry and i think belfry went down there and watered the field down because they saw jimmy boffman run all over us and belfry beat them uh in the in the in the playoffs the next weekend.
0: At what point in high school did you start thinking about playing at the next level, college football? And who were some of the other, school, other schools who were interested in you playing for them?
2: So, when I was a sophomore, my dad um, sent me down to Georgia Tech football camp. And, um, you know, we were down at the football camp, and we're in, a, we're in the meetings one day watching some practice and some films and things. And uh, one of the coaches asked me, says, Marty, what would you do in this situation? And I said, Coach, I've never i I've never played high school football. I'm I'm going into my sophomore year of high school. And he, he said, You got he said, You're kidding me and I said, No, no, sir, I'm I'm gonna be a sophomore. So the end of the camp comes and I'm the most valuable defense player at the camp. And so they start recruiting me. So the next year, um, I'm getting letters from you know, soon as soon as one of the schools in the South starts recruiting, you start getting a lot of letters. Word gets out, I'm starting to get letters from U.K., UT, Georgia, you know, a lot of small schools. And then my so, my junior year, going into my junior, sophomore year, going into my junior I go to the University of Alabama's camp. And I get the most valuable defensive player in that camp. So, now I've got Alabama recruiting me. Well, when that happened, then I've got Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. So, I'm being heavily recruited. Um... And uh, I get through the recruiting process my senior year. And uh, I get All-State, voted the best defensive player in the state of Kentucky. And uh, I've set up my official visits. So I'm going to Michigan State. My, I'm, We grew up Mormon. So my mom wanted me to go visit BYU. Uh, I've got Tennessee on my books. I've got um, Ohio State. On my books, and so those are my visits, right? So Alabama, Kentucky, BYU, Ohio State. Who was
0: coach at BYU to time?
2: Legendary coach out there. I'm trying to. Oh, uh, I know he. He was there for thirty years. Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle Edwards was the coach out there. Yeah, and uh, so I end up. uh, I go down to, uh, I go to BYU early in December, and uh, I'm scheduled to go for all my visits in January. Well.
0: Claude Bassett was out there at that time, he was. was it? Claude he was. Bassett was out there. Okay. He was a recruiting
2: coordinator out there. BYU was probably the, the wildest trip I had.
0: So oh, is all, that right? All the
2: Mormons out there that are all like, "Oh, well, we don't," you know. Now, who
0: was the quarterback there at the time? Was that Ty
2: Detmer? I think uh, might have been the quarterback. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I played with Ty in Cleveland for one year. I played with Ty, but uh, but yeah, that was the wildest visit. They gave us snowmobiles and went on the mountain, and we had two guys wreck the snowmobiles and. You know they had a they had a keg of beer in the apartment we were at. and, I mean, it was it was wild.
0: when you left there, were you thinking about? I knew I was
2: I knew I was never going out there because it was a four hour plane ride. My mom. Oh, would never okay. See me play, you right? Know? But but I thought I thought I was going to this, you know, Mormon Mormon college, and we were going to be. You out thought everything was be, be in bed at eight o'clock <laughs> at night? And it was not anywhere <laughs> close to that, you know. Uh, but. Uh, it was. Uh, I had a guy named Rocky and uh, Bob Davis, and they were. Bob Davis was an All American. Um, I think he got a shot at the NFL, but he was he was torched. I mean, his shoulders were were, were gone. And but uh, but it was it was a fun visit for sure. Uh, well, when I got home from that visit, uh, Alabama called me and they said, Marty, we know you're scheduled uh, to come in January, but we got to bring you in. We got to bring you in. We got three. We got four scholarships left. And uh, we've already got 21 out of 25 commitments. So, w- we fly down there. It's Christmas. I'm down there, I think, two days after Christmas.
0: Now, is this a a, a, a time when you fly commercial or a private plane? Oh, w- this is
2: commercial. This is commercial. Okay. This, is, this is the second time I've ever flown in my life. You know, and that flight going out to BYU was on a big jet. And down there going to Tuscaloosa was on one of these small planes that was all over the place. I thought I was going to die. You know, I'm bouncing all over the sky. Um, But uh, I get down there and I get picked up at the airport by two of the prettiest girls that I had ever seen at that time in my life. I mean, these Alabama wouldn't use that tactic, uh, would they? No, 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 (laughs) no. You know, and uh, you get in the hotel room and they've got a big gift basket for you and – You know, and uh, you go to the facilities, and they've got your name on your jersey and your locker, and you know, let's not dread. Alabama football is like Kentucky basketball. I mean, they've their their dormitory. Their dorm was something else. Big brass, you know, elephant tusks coming out of it. With everything was there. You know, the dining hall was in the dorm. The study hall was in the dorm. You slept in the dorm. Big barbecue patio area. Right in the middle of campus, you didn't have to walk very far for your classes. It was it was top notch. And so, uh, you know, the guys I was on the visit with, I mean, we were the top eight guys that they had left. And uh, I sat there, and Bill Curry was the head coach. And Bill Curry sits me down, and they've got all their trophies and rings and that box of national titles and bowl rings there. And he looks at me, and he says, hey, you, you want to play at the University of Alabama? And I said, yes, sir. So, I commit to the University of Alabama. On the spot. So I come home Monday morning. I walk into the Highlands High School, and there's Tom Duffy, and there's four U.K. coaches sitting at lunch. And I avoid them like the plague. I mean, they, I am on the far end of that cafeteria. <laughs> and, uh, and did they, they
0: Were they aware that you just got back from Alabama? Oh,
2: they were aware. And, you know, when I walked into school – Tom Duff, he came up to me and he says, he said, don't tell me if you committed or not. He said, I got some people here that are going to be here at lunch that I want you to sit down with and they deserve a little bit of your time. And so I said, okay. So then, you know, lunch comes and Tom's sitting with all the UK coaches at this table and I got to walk by the table to take my tray back. you remember who they were in particular? It was Rod Sharpless. It was uh, Doc, uh, Coach Strzok. It was, and I think there were two other coaches, maybe uh, – Bill Glazer, and um, I can't remember, but I know as Dr. Rod was was my main guy, and then Strock was the D coordinator. So I know those two guys were there, and um, so uh, so I walked by, and he Tom Duffy goes, "Come on, Marty," and uh, I went in there, and uh, they said, "Hey, you know we know we we know we came on you late because they started recruiting me after Alabama and recruiting started recruiting me." And they said, so, but we really want you to come down here to the UK and have an opportunity to see what we have to offer. So, you know, Tom played at UK, and um, he asked me, he said, just do me a favor, is a favor to me, go down there and and visit. Because no. my family was all about Alabama. I mean, my mom, when I told her I was coming out, but when, when Christmas presents were given, there was not a UK Christmas present. It was all roll-tied. Crimson Tide, two days later I go to Alabama, I commit, I'm going. She's in love with Bill Curry. This is where Marty Moore's playing college football. And um, so when I came home that night and told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to go down Friday at the University of Kentucky. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I said, uh, dad died. My dad died going into my junior high school. So, uh, you know, I had just me and my mom and my little sister that were still at the house. And I said, well, you know, let me just go down there and check it out. So I went down to the U.K., and I had a great time. You know, I had – there are a lot of people that I knew that were from Kentucky. I looked at the depth chart and said, you know, at Alabama, I would really, truly have the opportunity to play as a junior. At Kentucky, I might have an opportunity to start as a sophomore. And um, so I kind of went home and – contemplated you know what i was going to do and got home my mom's like well what'd you think i said well i said you know it was it was okay i said, "I think i got some thinking i need to do and maybe we need to go down and visit again and, now
0: in this process were there any other schools in oh, the mix oh, yeah. as far as yeah, as yeah, far I mean, as visits did Ohio State, Michigan did, State. Did, who else did you visit
2: um well that uh, that was it because when it got down to alabama and kentucky i was like well I don't want to cloud it any more than what I'm clouded, you know. And so, uh, so I ended up um, that, uh, that Tuesday night, I believe, I um, was at home and uh, Alabama radio station called me. Well, I'm, I'm a Kentucky kid. I have no idea how big Alabama football is. You know, as far as I knew how big it was visiting the school, but I didn't know the fan following, you know. Like, today I think it's a little bit different. Kids kids are educated, social media, things like that. But, you know, I didn't have any idea they were doing football, radio shows, and basketball season, you know. Um,
0: you expected a reverse.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm like, well, you know, so this guy calls me and, you know, he says, hey, you know, Marty Moore, you know, you're coming to Alabama. This is great. You're going to be with this great group of freshmen. And, you know, we've got a top-notch class and – so what do you think about it i said well i said you know i said i'm kind of contemplating you know my decision i said i'm kind of you know a little a little worried and and um I'm, I'm you know i'm excited to come down there but you know i i have some reservation well i hung up that phone and i'm not kidding you five seconds later my phone rings again hey marty don Lindsay, defense coordinator at university of alabama how you doing I'm like, hey Coach Lindsay, how's it going? He's like, Well, I was just listening to that radio show and it sounds like you got some reservations. He said, You know, do we need to come up and and you know, visit the school and, you know, come and talk to you anymore? And I said, No, I said, I think that's okay. I said,
1: you know, I said, I just
2: got some things I need to talk about with my mom. And he goes, Well, well, what do you mean? I said, Well, I said, you know, I said, you know, I'm trying I'm thinking I might want to stay close to home because of the family situation and and he goes, Well, I need an answer right now. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, I need an answer if you're gonna to come to the University of Alabama or not. And I said, Well coach, I really can't give you that answer right now. He goes, Well, we'll see when we play it and hung up the phone on me. And um and I walked walked upstairs with my mom and I said, I'm going to the University of Kentucky. And that was that was how my decision was made. It wasn't me as a sixteen year old kid trying to make a decision on my own. It was, you know, that coach reacting the way he did as to why I ended up at Kentucky. I really feel like I would have ended up in Kentucky anyway, but um,
1: – That sort you know, of made it easy?
2: It made it easy on me to make that decision. You know, looking back, I mean, it was the right decision. My senior year was over with, and I was just – I was gliding through that spring
0: and getting through my classes and graduating. And, and had no idea that by the time you actually got to put the uniform on in a game, you would still be playing for Bill Curry.
2: I had no idea. I had no idea cuz you know my rec- my rookie uh, my say my rookie my freshman year was uh was Jerry Claver, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and then when Bill Curry came here as the head coach, yeah, you know, my mom was ecstatic cuz she loved Bill Curry. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous cuz I'm like, you know, gosh, I told Bill Curry no and and Bill How did Curry, that go? Bill Curry was such such a great human being. He still is. I mean, you know, he's still he's still alive, so I don't want to speak him in past tense, you know, but um He's just such a great human being. I mean, I really feel like Bill Curry would have been, you know, a great AD at the University of Kentucky. Just politically had it, you know, the way he talked to people, the way he treated people. And, um, you know, I really felt like that's where he would end up. You know, but then he did some other things, and Bill Curry's fine. He's doing good. But, um, you know, I I, uh, I have a lot of respect for that man.
0: When you got here your first year and – you actually end up being a five-year guy because you redshirted the first year. How, how did you approach the redshirt year? Were you for it, uh, or did you want to play immediately, or just how did that go? I begged them to redshirt me,
2: and I honestly still feel like every kid should get redshirted. It's a little bit different because kids are working out; they're in better shape. You know, they seem like they're more prepared than than kids were when I came in as a freshman. But just another year to get bigger, stronger, faster. You know, um I remember you know uh Craig Bainsinger uh got hurt in a game. I mean we're like week nine, right, so we got two games left, and they start looking over at me and i'm and i'm I am trying to run into the locker room because I did not want to waste my entire year to go in the game for five plays. I ended up just getting through Because uh, that back then if you played three three plays in a game, you were burnt. You know, and they don't have that kind of well, we had to get kid get hurt, we had to play him, we're gonna still give him that year it was there was no gray area, and so um so for me, I really you know I begged them to keep me uh, on the sideline and not play me.
0: Your freshman year when you were red shirted, was Jerry Claiborne's last year, yes. you were going toward the end of the season uh. Jerry had a lot of years there where he was right at that one game mark from going to a bow. Mm-hmm. During his era, if you didn't go seven and four, you didn't get invited. Six and five didn't get you there as a rule. And his last year, I think you were six and four again going into the Tennessee game and they lost it. And he decided to hang it up. What what went through your mind during those last Weeks that he was here, and you were having a change in basketball, 'cause that was the end of the Ed Setting era, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know um, what I was told was we did get a bowl invite. We were six and three, and um, Jerry decided that he was gonna play it out and see how we did against Florida and Tennessee, and then we ended up losing those two games, and then you know, you know, I was kind of indifferent to it uh, because I didn't know what was happening. I mean, it was a shock to everybody that there wasn't any like, well, Coach retire." I mean, it was just, you know, we went home for Christmas, come back, and he wasn't our coach. There was no, we're going to have a team meeting and announce our retirement. It was literally, we come back and they say, hey, Coach Claiborne retired, and Bill Curry staff comes in and none of the coaches stayed. You know, you had Don Strzok go to Virginia Tech and build a great tradition down there. You know, Rod Sharpless went. Uh, Coach Glazier was the only coach who stayed. Everybody else left. So, it was kind of like a whole new era had come in overnight. And uh, since I was a freshman, I just kind of said, okay. You know, now some of the seniors and older guys probably were a little bit different. But to me, I just didn't know any better because Bill Curry was the coach I wanted to go play for originally. Now he's my coach. This is great. Now, the thing that didn't happen with Curry was – we didn't get any of his Alabama staff. You know, we got a couple guys here and there, but the majority of his coaches stayed in Alabama, or they let they went to other schools. and And I was told it was because you know at that time. I think were, the
0: biggest name he brought with him was your recruiting coordinator Tommy Limbaugh. We brought
2: Tommy. Now you got to understand he had uh, he had Tommy Bowden, mm-hmm. he had Lovie Smith, mm-hmm. um, he had Dicky. So, all these guys, you know, I mean, Lovie Smith is the head coach in in Illinois right now, was a head coach in the NFL for a long time. Tommy was at Tulane, successful. I don't even know what the Bowden brothers are doing now, to be honest with you. (laughs) But uh, it was like they would just one and done and, you know. But um,
0: Well, during that break when you're at home and you assume that Claiborne's coming back, uh, you're sitting there on New Year's Day. Alabama had gone 10-0 and 0 during the regular season until they played the Iron Bowl and got beat by Auburn. They were number one until that game. And, of course, you know, that's the Cardinals saying in Alabama's lose to Auburn. And I think they're playing in the Sugar Bowl, if I remember right. He's playing in the, in the New Year's Day Bowl one day, and the very next day he accepts the job at Kentucky. Did, were you aware of any of the going on behind the scenes? Because CM had been at Alabama. And apparently he had sold Bill Curry on you can do it anywhere and you can do it at Kentucky.
2: I I truly think that that's what he sold him on. I really do. I really do because, you know, Bill Curry was – they didn't like him in Alabama. He couldn't beat be Auburn.
0: And, yeah. and he was from Georgia Tech. Yeah,
2: he was from Georgia Tech and couldn't beat Auburn. It'd be like bringing a Louisville guy to Kentucky. The people in Kentucky are not going to like the Louisville guy. I don't care what you say. A UK fan is not gonna like a University University Louisville player as their coach. Um really what got me was um in ninety two or ninety three when they won the national title. We had a we had a three and eight season and I'm in the dorm in the UK watching the national title going, those are all the guys I was on my official visit with You know, and then they came back and repeated ninety three. So I look at it and I said, I should have two national championship rings on my finger. You know, along with my Super Bowl ring, but you know, I look back and I say, well, if I go to Alabama, maybe I don't have a Super Bowl ring. Maybe I don't have you know the things that have happened in my life happen
0: because you may not but, get to play enough in Alabama to get to the NFL. That's,
2: that's exactly right. You know, I don't, I don't become an All SEC linebacker because you know Alabama's offense is a lot better than Kentucky's defense. So I'm instead of making 180 tackles a game a year, I'm making 100. You know, and so. You know, there's a lot of different factors, you know, uh, that happened and you know decisions made, and you know I think I think I've made the right ones, and um, it kind of worked out for me career-wise.
0: Well, you go four and seven, three and eight, four and seven, and six and six, and after those first three years, some of the fans are grumbling, attendance is down a little bit. Um, going into that fourth year, what changed? What got you over the hump?
2: Well, you know, I um, uh, I sat up. I thought the year, my junior year, we went four and seven. You know, we had we were four and two, and um, we had lost to uh, Mississippi State in uh, overtime. And then we then we went downhill from there. We lost to them, and then we lost a couple games we should have won. Lost to Vanderbilt, you know, that kind of thing. And the end of the season i'll never forget we we played uh tennessee and we're we're coming up to uh we're driving back and you know i looked at my friend they, my roommates in the car and i said i'm not doing this next year i said i'm not i'm not gonna have bill curry always talked about the fellowship of the miserable right and i said i'm tired of these guys that don't want to be here around and just you know here to here to here for the free education the free dining hall so I stood up in the team meeting before we went on break before you know before we went on uh, Christmas break and I said guys if you don't want to be here then leave transfer get out of here I said cuz I'm going to run you out of this damn locker room I said I promise you we come back in January if you're not on board to go and have a and have a great season next year then you are going to have to get out cuz I'm going to push you out and we had 14 guys leave the team. You know, uh, a lot of guys transferred, a lot of guys said they will not come back. And uh, my senior year, I mean, you know, we had, a, we had a collective group of guys that really wanted to change, you know, really wanted to do the right thing. And we worked our asses off. You know, we had some talented kids. Um, but, you know, we really had a group of guys that I think as far as a team goes and, The chemistry we had and the the brotherhood we had was something that um, hadn't been there in the past. You know, and, you know, we lose to Florida in the last three seconds of the game. Um, You know, we lose to. Was uh, that the
0: Chris Doring game?
2: Yeah, yeah. We lose to them in the last three seconds of the game.
0: I I, I say that because I was watching a recent uh, uh, telecast on the SEC network. And they were projecting this year's team, and Chris Doring was one of the two analysts, and he was predicting that Kentucky would go eight and four this year. And the other analyst said to him, "says Well, Chris, you're missing one game because I think they're going nine and three because they are going to beat Florida this year." (laughs) And Chris grinned at him, and that was the end of it. But that particular game, I think that, and you probably maybe had one or two. I think that there were six picks in that game by the Kentucky defense. Yeah, six we had, picks.
2: We had four, four, four interceptions and two fumbles.
0: Basically, the last play of the game. It was and it a was. quarterback, freshman quarterback coming off the bench.
2: They ran four verticals on us, and uh, we were in, uh, we were in three deep coverage, which we should have never been in three deep coverage with three seconds to go in the game. And um, they, uh, the safety was a was a, um, a true freshman, and uh, when that ball got thrown, he. He went to the outside receiver instead of staying on the number two receiver. You know he's supposed to be in the middle of the field, and he vacated the middle of the field, and they bent they bent Chris Dorian right behind the linebacker and threw it to him.
0: And there's there's some old fans who still consider that the most heartbreaking of all that
2: streak. You know, I mean, last year was tough. Yes. You know, um, but I definitely think that that was because we had them and we had them. You know, we have Vanderbilt beat. And um, you know I come up to make a tackle, and Melvin Johnson runs me over and uh, knocks me knocks me down. And the guy bounces outside and um, goes down. They kick a field goal to beat us. So that was another one of our losses. Last second field goal by Vanderbilt. Um, and then we play Cincinnati in a snowstorm, and they beat us by less than seven. Points. I think we lost four out of those out of our Tennessee blew us out. But we, everybody else beat us by a touchdown or less.
0: I mean, you weren't that far from being eight and three. For sure. I mean, we, when we played Clemson, um,
2: they were talking on of smack like they needed to play a better opponent, better opponent, better opponent. And I knocked their tail back out in the first quarter. I turned him sideways, broke his nose, and he was out. I knocked him out cold. And um, that game, I'll, I'll never forget, they start off that last drive – and they run a screenplay to Emmett Smith's brother, who's the fullback. And I go out and try to make the tackle and he runs about twenty yards down the field. A couple plays later, um, I intercept that pass and uh fumble it back to him. And then four plays later we missed we missed two sacks. And uh the last play we missed a sack and the guy throws it just a Hail Mary in the end zone and beats us. You know, he's scrambling around, the safety comes up and quarterback throws behind the safety, and that's how they beat us,
0: you know. We get to the bowl game. How have you been able to live with that all of these years on what would have been the winning play of the game, trying to make a better play? You know, I
2: mean, I look at it like this. I made so many plays when I was at Kentucky. You know, I, my my junior year I beat I beat Indiana because I pick off pass running right back for touchdown, we win the game. Um, I caused a fumble against East Carolina to put us in position to kick a field goal to even get us bowl eligible my senior year, right? I mean, I, you know, had had done all these different things to help my team win over the course of my career. So I look back and I say, you know, and I went back and looked that back at that game after my rookie year in the NFL – Because you you kind of come of come blur. At some point you think, well, shit, that was the end of the game. Like, that play was the end of the game. And I look back and I say, man, we fumbled four times inside the five-yard line. You know, so our offense had the ball four times inside the five-yard line, and we fumbled four times. And so I look at that, and then I look back and say, okay, after I fumble the ball back, it's not like they're on the 10-yard line. They're on the 40-yard line. You know, and so we missed two sacks on the quarterback. That would have ended the game, you know. And then the final play where they throw the ball up, our safety lets a guy get behind him and throws it over him. So I think, well, who's – you know, yeah, I foamed the ball back, but is it Melvin Johnson's fault because he comes up? Let's him throw it behind him, or is it Zane Bede's fault because he misses a sack, or is it Pookie Jones and Terry Samuel's fault because they fumbled the ball four times inside the five? You know, whose fault really is it how we lost that game, you know? And so that's kind of how I live with it. I say, you know, there's a lot, there's 11 guys out there, and there's 22 guys that play the game, you know. Um, And so why am I putting all this pressure on me that I lost the game for this team when. There was other so many opportunities to win the game with all the guys. How,
0: how 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 what runs through a player's mind in a particular play like that when you know hindsight's always twenty twenty, it never fails. But in that particular, thing, it's not that you probably didn't know you should have gone down with it. It's that you were trying to make a bigger play, which oh. is what you're always taught to do.
2: Yeah, I mean Oscar, when I when I picked that off. There was nobody in front of me. Nobody in front of me. And the guy grabbed my face mask in the front in the front page of the uh, Atlanta Journal, uh, the guy had my face mask but almost I mean, really if he would have held on I would have I would have had to fallen down. Really should have been a flag on a play and kept the, the ball. Play. We should have kept the ball right there. But they missed they missed the call. I mean it's plain as day. Guy's got my head back here. Well, when I came down I ran and as I'm running one of my teammates tries to make a block and falls down. And I jump over him and as I jumped over him that's when the guy hit me. You know, but there was no way in front of me. I mean, I was going I was going 50 yards the other direction and I was going to seal the game and that was it.
0: What was you know? the locker room like that night? And and how how were you able to just get your mind back in the right frame that there were other plays. It wasn't just that
2: play. You know, it took me a while. It took me a while because after that game, I went in front of the press conference, and I and I still think, you know, this is something as a young player that you know, um, you know, you, what goes through your mind, and, and you know, and I was one. I wasn't going to shy away from anything. You know, I don't. You know, people who know me, I'm not. I'm not one to lay down. I'm going to get in your face, and I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I don't really care how you think I, about it, right? And uh, so, I uh, went into that press conference, and I st- I sat there, and I took the bullet. I mean, I took it.
0: And no one I else did. Got, I was right there no, with No you.
2: one else got up there and said, hey, I fumbled or I did this. No, they all let me fall on that sword, you know. And I think that uh, it was one of those things where I wasn't going to shy away from it, you know. But I sat up the, you know, I said, yeah, hey, I'll make that play. You know, I feel like I've cost my team the game because I did. At that point, I thought, "Okay, I cost my team the game." Not going back and looking at the, all the things that happened in that game, I thought, "Man, that play would have would have sealed the game, and I would have won the, the game for my team." And so, I really felt like the onus was on me, you know, for for not making that play. And um, and then in the locker room, I was the last guy to leave the locker. Uh, Bill Curry had to come and get me. So everybody left. And I was in the locker room still in my clothes. And Bill Curry was dressed. Coach is gone. Everybody's gone. And Bill, Bill Curry came over and he grabbed me out of the locker room. And he said, Marty, you did not lose this game for this team. He said, "This you got us here. He said, you got us here. Your leadership, the plays you made your senior year, got us to be able to, to play in this game. He said, Dude, "So don't ever think that you cost us the game because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Marty Moore."
0: And his seven-year career, that was his only bowl game, too.
2: It was, it was, you know. And so that's 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 kind of where I that's kind of how I put it behind me. You know, I walked out of the locker room and they had the parties and things, and I just went to my hotel room and, you know, I just kind of faded away, and then. You know, I went home and came back, and I I was getting ready for the NFL, and I put that game behind me.
0: What What was it like? You knew win, lose, or draw that night. That's the last time you're going to wear a Kentucky uniform. What goes through a player who spent five years at a school and go out there that final game, and you come in the locker room, and you know you're never going to put it on again? You know – I don't think you appreciate when a coach tells you
2: that until you show up at that next season and you're in the stands. You don't appreciate playing on that field, running out in front of that crowd, having the adrenaline run through your body and the and the intensity run through your body until you are a fan watching from the stands. Because you can talk all you want about this is the last time, and I heard it so many times among my coaches. This is the last time you seniors are going to put on this Highlands uniform. Last time you seniors are going to put on a Kentucky uniform. Go out there and play like your hair's on fire. And and, um, and so you think that, but then when it's over, that's when it hits you. That's when you're like, God, I wish I would have just taken it in a little bit more just stood on the sideline and smelt the popcorn and felt the fans and smiled a little bit more and thanked people a little bit more. Because when you don't have that opportunity to run out on that field and you can never get it back, it is something that, as a player, you really realize how special of moments those were in your life.
1: This has been Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Our thanks to Marty Moore for taking the time to sit down and talk with Oscar and you, the Big Blue Nation. Episode 71 and 72 will continue this three-part series, as Marty will take us through the NFL draft and his professional career, including winning the Super Bowl. All episodes of Conversations can be found at OscarCombs.com. And for your mobile devices, episodes of Conversations can be easily downloaded through iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Search for at Wildcat News and subscribe for free. For the latest thoughts on the Big Blue, follow Oscar on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson, thanking you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.